Section 15 of the Roman Triumvirates by Charles Merivale. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 7 The Civil War, Battle of Pharsalia, Death of Pompeius, Death of Cato, Part 2. During his absence, the citizens at Rome, inspired by his influential agent Lepidus, had proclaimed him dictator some of the prescribed forms had indeed been omitted but little care of legal forms had been taken in many recent elections the dictator had been created it seems by the praetor in place of the consul with the acclamations of the people and not by the suffrage of the senate or the curies it was better however that the commander of the legions should rule under a known historical title than with none at all the people who saw the odious power of a dictator wielded at last by a champion of their own rejoiced in the master whom they seemed to have themselves chosen and forgot for the moment that caesar ruled by the army and not by the voice of their comitia it was for fiscal measures which brooked neither delay nor weakness that the appointment of a dictator was demanded at this crisis when in the middle of the seventh century of the city the feudal laws against usury had been suffered to fall into abeyance a consul was found to carry a sweeping law for the reduction of all debts by three-fourths the money-lenders who demanded interest from twelve to forty per cent exclaimed loudly against this confiscation of their property but it was impossible to maintain the government except by such violent enactments from time to time nor indeed did the money-lenders of rome suffer permanently from these arbitrary measures any more than the jews suffered from even harsher interference with their gains in the middle ages the spirit of luxury growing with the greatness of the empire gave fresh impulse to their transactions large classes of citizens were lying overwhelmed by the weight of their obligations among the various interests evoked in favour of caesar's schemes none were more attached to him than those of the debtors and repudiators his hereditary connection with the party opposed to the noblest and wealthiest classes his reputed familiarity with catalina his own early embarrassments and laxity of principles entailed by them all pointed him out as the destined leader of a great fiscal revolution but the anticipations thus formed of him were deceived assailed by clamorous importunity the dictator absolute as he was refused to yield to the cry for confiscation he appointed arbitrators for the valuation of debtor's property and insisted on its sale all he required of the creditors was that they should forego their claims for excessive interest he seems further to have resorted to the old expedient of the tribunes in distributing grants of land among the bankrupts and relieving the state from the dangers of a needy aristocracy the chief measures of caesar's dictatorship included a liberal distribution to the wants of the poorer citizens the revocation of the enactments of sulla which had condemned even the children of his victims to civil incapacity and the concession of citizenship to the inhabitants of the cisalpine at the end of eleven days he abdicated his office 
but he caused himself to be elected consul together with his now declared adherent servilius for the ensuing year the actual consuls were suffered to retain their nominal magistracy to the close of their legitimate term which was at the moment expiring nothing was henceforth wanting to the regularity of his government neither the decrees of his senate for he had assembled more than one half of its members at rome nor the election of the people nor the sanction of the curies and of the auspices taken on the spot appointed by religion caesar as proconsul was a rebel from the moment he quitted his province but as soon as he became a consul lawfully installed the right seemed to pass at once to his side while his adversaries were transformed into enemies and traitors this they themselves tacitly acknowledged for numerous as they were influential as they seemed to be they dared not enact a law nor hold an election nor confer an imperium the representative of the people had become the guardian of usage and public order while the champion of the oligarchy derived his arbitrary power from the passions of a turbulent camp but in fact the names both of senate and people were little regarded amidst the excitement of personal contention caesar and pompeius were now the real watchwords of parties and even the children playing in the streets divided themselves we are told into caesarians and pompeians caesar victorious everywhere by land had made no effort it would seem to contest with his adversary the possession of the sea he trusted to the rapidity of his movements and to the many chances of maritime enterprise to throw his forces across the narrow channel between italy and epirus and evade or discomfit the flotillas opposed to him he reached brundisium where he had collected a number of transports and on the fourth of january b c forty eight three days from his leaving rome he embarked seven legions amounting to fifteen thousand infantry and six hundred cavalry bibulus the commander of the pompeian fleet failed to intercept them and could only attack and destroy the empty vessels on their return to receive a second division caesar had himself crossed over with the first but he was not in a position to act with vigour until the arrival of antonius with additional succours he is said to have hastened in his impatience to bring over these reinforcements in person and to have been driven back by a tempest in which he had with difficulty persuaded his trembling pilot to embark fear not he had exclaimed you carry caesar and his fortunes when indeed antonius succeeded at last in crossing he was wafted a hundred miles below the point where his chief expected him and pompeius who lay between might easily it should seem have overpowered him but most of the places on the coast had eagerly attached themselves to the cause of the assailant the means of supply for the unwieldy hosts of the senate were not perhaps easily attainable whatever was the cause of this delay caesar promptly took advantage of it he was enabled to throw himself between pompeius and his magazines at dyrrachium and confine him to his secure position on the rocky promontory of petra pompeius indeed felt little concern at this manoeuvre he could occupy himself in training the loose and motley auxiliaries who had thronged to his standard 
even while his adversary with such inferior numbers ventured to draw his lines around him the confinement however of the great commander by his daring assailant could not fail to have a great moral effect dispiriting his own friends and exalting the hopes and expectations of his enemies and of the populations which watched them far and near after a time pompeius found his situation become intolerable he made a strenuous and well-directed attack upon his besiegers broke their lines with his superior force and drove them from before him but caesar had now secured a party in the heart of greece and macedonia and thither he retreated intending probably to fall upon scipio who was bringing succours to his son-in-law from the east pompeius hastened to follow him the two rival captains dogged each other's steps from place to place till at last they met in the valley of the inapeus an effluent of the peneus on the plains of pharsalia the nobles in the senatorial camp had amused themselves with quarrelling about the expected spoils of the war which they hoped to terminate with a triumphant victory cato was so shocked with their truculent threats that he sought a command which should detain him on the coast of epirus and cicero who had repaired once more to the side of pompeius now pleaded ill health and remained behind also but the more sanguine spirits of the party still urged their chief to the battle from which he would fain have shrunk nor could his officers bring him into the field till caesar threatened a flank movement which would have cut off his communications yet his army boasted a legionary force fully forty thousand strong with seven thousand horse supported by a countless host of foreign allies while caesar had but twenty-two thousand well-trained infantry and one thousand cavalry with a few irregular battalions on august ninth forty eight b c the pompeians descended from their camp to the plain beneath having the little stream of the enipeus on their right caesar hastened to the encounter levelling the ramparts of his entrenchments to facilitate the egress of his troops in line of battle extending his cavalry on his right he ordered his first line to charge after halting just before they came within reach of their opponent's spears to take breath for the final onset the knights and senators who fought in the pompeian ranks were equipped in complete armour and the caesarians were directed to waste no blows on their helms and corslets but strike direct to their unprotected faces thus assailed they soon broke their ranks retreated and fled the support of the cavalry on their flanks having been baffled by caesar's german horse pompeius had already abandoned the field retiring to his camp at the first turn of fortune there he would have rallied his troops and defended the works but the routed battalions fled precipitately past him the caesarians pressed closely upon him and almost surprised him in his tent leaping on his horse at the last moment he galloped swiftly away escaping through the hinder gate nor drew rein till he had reached larissa his discomfited battalions made a faint show of defence at a good position which they had assumed in the rear of their encampment but dismayed by the flight of their commander they soon gave way before the renewed attack of their indefatigable pursuers 
it was caesar's maxim to think nothing done while aught remained to do and on this occasion he exemplified it to the utmost he allowed his victorious soldiers no respite till the whole force of the pompeians was utterly dispersed or reduced to capitulate before nightfall a few only of the senators got away in the darkness the battle of pharsalia obtained however one honourable distinction in the annals of civil warfare from the close of the day no more blood was shed the fugitives were spared and the captives received mercy the victors lost only thirty centurions and two hundred or as some stated twelve hundred legionaries of the vanquished there fell ten senators forty knights and six thousand of all ranks of citizens the slaughter among the foreign auxiliaries was probably much greater domitius was the only noble of distinction that perished he was cut down in the flight by caesar's cavalry many were captured many also hastened to give themselves up to the conqueror whose fame for clemency was now generally established as he rode across the field of battle he expressed his grief and perhaps his remorse at the sight of his countrymen's corpses they would have it so he exclaimed after all my exploits i should have been lost had i not thrown myself on the protection of my soldiers assuredly this was true enough would ever be the value of the excuse the remnant of the vast army of the east was scattered far and wide no reserve had been provided on the field no place assigned for rallying at a distance even the naval force was dispersed or distant pompeius rushed through larissa hurried down the vale of tempe to the mouth of the peneus took ship on board a merchant vessel with a handful of attendants and gained the island of lesbos whither he had removed his wife cornelia running thence along the coast of asia he picked up a few of his adherents and held counsel with them chiefly it would seem about his own personal safety his first idea of seeking an asylum at the court of parthia was indignantly overruled to take refuge with the king of egypt a dependent of the republic was deemed both safer and less dishonourable the wealth of egypt was unbounded its position well-nigh inaccessible to an enemy destitute of a fleet ptolemaeus was young and doubtless timid possibly he might acknowledge a duty toward the senate which had befriended him pompeius arrived off pelusium with about two thousand men too few or too many for his safety the court of alexandria had well weighed the situation engaged as it was in a contest with cleopatra the king's sister it discussed the claims of the roman fugitive but rejected his dangerous alliance the victim was inveigled into a boat under pretence of being conveyed into the royal presence he was murdered at a blow and his head cut off to be presented to caesar on his expected arrival the body was flung into the surf where it was picked up by a charitable hand and hastily consumed with fuel from a broken vessel on the stone which covered the remains the same hand inscribed with a blackened brand the illustrious name of magnus the history of rome fertile as it is in tragic issues affords no more signal instance of a reverse of political fortune but though pompeius must fill next to caesar the largest space on our canvas his character was common and uninteresting 
and his career however splendid and dramatic has left no such impress on the history of the times as that of his great rival or even that of cicero or of cato pompeius had fled from the scene of his defeat but the sea was closed against the conqueror by his naval armaments caesar was enabled indeed by the treachery of gaius cassius who commanded in the straits to throw himself across the hellespont but though the military forces of the senate had dispersed in all directions and offered no resistance he could not transport his own army into asia but was attended in his pursuit of pompeius by no more than a single legion in the asiatic provinces however he was received with enthusiasm and forwarded on his way pompeius had gained no love throughout the ample regions he had conquered and organized caesar picked up a few vessels on the coast and presented himself with four thousand men before the capital of the ptolemies within a few days from the death of his rival the king's ministers hastened to produce the head of the murdered man but he turned from it with horror without a moment of delay or hesitation he entered alexandria in military array with the ensigns of a roman imperator and consul the populace was disturbed mercenary battalions composed of greeks romans and asiatics which maintained the unpopular throne of the macedonian dynasty were excited to quarrel with the caesarians and some encounters took place between them caesar required money he seized on the person of the young king he listened to the solicitations of the king's sister cleopatra who was intriguing against her brother and required him to share his power with her but the king's ministers who had offended her trembled for themselves one of them pothinus was arrested and put to death but achilas called the soldiers and citizens to arms enclosed the intruding roman in one quarter of the city and reduced him to desperate straits in the crisis of which he was obliged to swim for his life with his commentaries so said the legend in one hand in the course of his defence caesar fired the egyptian fleet and the flames consumed the great library of the museum with its four hundred thousand volumes he consented at last to restore ptolemaeus but on the arrival of reinforcements from syria he was enabled to assume the offensive he overthrew the royal army on the banks of the nile when ptolemaeus himself perished in the stream the egyptians accepted cleopatra for their queen at the command of the conqueror End of section 15